listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am, you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we have Daniel Matteo back in the studio with us. Welcome, Daniel. Uh, g'day, Jason. Mm-hmm. How are you? Mate, I'm living the dream. That's good. That's good cloud. to hear. That's good to hear. <clears throat> uh, now you'll be continuing your program. Now, this is going to be our last program for Drawing in the Well. Yeah, Drawing, drawing from, the from the Well. Not yeah, Drawing in the Well, right. Drawing from the Well. Yeah, we'll start a new little mini-series next week. We'll yeah. start a new series next week that uh, should go for another few months, <laughs> hopefully. Um, and uh, But this one today, we're going to be talking about the Bible as social justice. But yes. uh, tell us what you've been up to over the past week. Well, you know what? Over the weekend, I went and visited a church in Collinsvale, one of our Seventh-day Adventist churches in Collinsvale, and it is, uh, I think, the oldest church building of ours, anyway, in uh, in Australia. It was built in 1889, mm. and uh, it is it is a beautiful old building and beautiful people there. Had a good time there. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, good to talk to everybody. I've been up there a few times, and uh, it's a lovely little place too, sort of settled over the hill there in a valley. Yeah, it's got a steeple. So few churches these days mm. have steeples. In fact, I, I, I actually installed a radio there a couple of months ago, two or three months ago, so we've got Faith FM broadcasting in from Collins that area Vale. in yeah. Collinsville. Well, so if you're listening in Collinsville area, hello to you. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, so... Just remember, all of our past episodes for this series, Drawing from the Well, you can download from, or you can, sorry, listen, not download, but you can listen from the Faith FM app. That's the Faith FM Australia app. And you can also listen on the Faith FM website. So all of the Bible as series um, uh, that Daniel's been doing, Drawing from the Well, I I think they've been fascinating. I've really enjoyed uh, listening. I didn't do all of them because Tabitha... Uh, did worked with you in the early days of this, so but uh, what I have done, I've really enjoyed as well. So the Bible is uh, social justice. Mm. Yeah, no, interesting topic today. As as you said last week, we were talking about the Bible as morality, and I think that this aspect of the Scriptures teaching arises from what we did last week. So it'll be a good. Uh, it's a good. It was a good basis, good springboard uh, to get into what we're talking about today. Uh, this idea of uh, equity and justice in society. Yeah, mm. would you like to pray for us as we start? Would that be okay? Sure. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we just uh, ask that you are with us as we open your Word and read different passages of Scripture, and uh, just pray that you'll be with Daniel and all of our listeners too today. In your name, Amen. 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 Now, it wasn't so long ago now that, uh, as we know, uh, after the the tragic death of Mr. George Floyd, that there was significant protests uh, in the United States, but also around the world, uh, as it pertains to uh, the treatment of people of different races um, in Western countries. And uh, this issue of of racism and and justice between the the races or people of different levels of um, uh, in society was you know was right on the table you know it was something that uh, it was sort of overshadowed by the pandemic a little bit uh, after not too long but uh, it very much was was part of our national conversation just a couple of years ago and has continued to be and uh, it's the idea that uh, I guess we have a desire within ourselves to identify inequalities and prejudice in society based on things like race but also uh, also uh, gender and and so forth 
and and we want to equalize them. We want to see everybody as a distinct human being, uh, somebody worthy of dignity, and treat them with the equality uh, that and the the, the dignity that they deserve. Mm. And I was watching actually a social media video, and there were some people that were protesting. And uh, as a part of their protest, uh, they had a little bit of a bonfire going, and they were burning a Bible. And they set fire to this thing and they burned it as sort of a way of saying, you know, that Christianity is part of this racist construct that's caused some of these problems. And uh, we're going to burn this Bible as a, as a symbol of uh, fighting back against racism. And uh, speaking as somebody that spends a fair bit of time studying the Bible, I, that actually, that action confused me mm. because it seemed to be a contradiction in terms. For a start, you know, I mean, no matter how how much art, I guess, in Christian art over the last 2,000 years has sort of given us the impression that uh, that uh, that Christianity is a sort of a white religion, you might say. In actual fact, you know, major centers of Christianity in the, in the first few hundred years were actually um, uh, the Middle East, you know, particularly around uh, Jerusalem, Judea, but mm. also North Africa mm. as well. You know, the mm. North Africa was the was a major center of Christianity, the major center of Christianity mm. uh, for the first three hundred years. And even yeah. today, Africa still has, is a, a huge area for Christianity, mm. and uh, South America. And well, what happened yeah. is that the um, that the early Christian church grew there really, really quickly, and then it was sort of crushed by uh, by Muslim expansion, mm. and then there's been like a reintroduction of it of. of particularly Protestant Christianity here mm. in Africa now, you know, through the work of missionaries and so forth. But, you know, um, this idea of the Bible being racist, I don't agree with that. I actually believe that the concept of social justice, the concept of treating everybody with equality and with equity, is that is actually something that arises from the philosophy of Scripture, that we wouldn't have got there as a human race mm. uh, if we didn't have the Bible as a basis for that. So, yeah, we'll be talking about some of those things today. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So uh, do remember that we've got our show number, Tassie Encounters. This is just for us, 0488 880 You can text us in any questions, uh, any feedback. Uh, perhaps you'd like to answer our question that we're going to ask, and um, we'd love to hear from you today, even even to say hello and text us in where you're listening from today. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. So zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. So I guess uh, we need to have a look at what the Bible says uh, mm. about some of this stuff. Yeah, we do indeed. Um, absolutely. And so we're, we're going to start with Psalm chapter 82, verse 3. Now, last remember last week when we were studying the Bible as morality, we talked about the fact that God created everyone in his image mm. and uh, and the fact that a human being is worthy of, of um, respect, worthy of tree of equality, worthy of um, of being treated uh, with with given rights and so it, forth. It, it's it, sort of it's sort of a fundamental of um, who we are because God made us, which gives us value. Exactly, it arises from that. And actually, if you look at societies that don't have that as a basis, they mm. don't value individual human dignity. For example, if you look at co- uh, communist societies, mm. you know where the idea is there is no God and the, all there is is power, really, ultimately, mm. and survival. And so, what's a real value? Value is the state, the mm. corporate, and the the individual person. No rights, no no. You know, it doesn't matter what the individual wants. You know, mm. but what is it that the Bible says about the way that we should? Well, I guess here's a, this is a commission about the way that we should approach equality and other aspects of injustice. So, can you read this for me? Psalms eighty two verse three. It says, mm. "Defend the weak and the fatherless, uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed." Okay, so it, it mentions some 
different aspects of society there. So first of all, there is the weak. Mm. So people that, that don't, and and I guess that the idea of being weak is a subjective term. It's relative mm. to, at any given time, there's someone that's weaker than I am. I right? guess I guess we're thinking in the term terms of power, not necessarily physically weak. Mm. Mm. Well, yeah, that's it right. It could pa- be physically weak as well. I yeah, guess. power in society yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That's true. Mm. But the point is, every there's always somebody that's weaker than me. Mm. And and so for, um, what the the difference between I guess most social justice movements uh, the, as it pertains to society today and the Bible's idea of social justice is that in the Bible, it's about personal responsibility. It's not about blaming other people. Mm. It's about what's my role. And so even if I'm a victim of oppression, even if I'm a victim of, let's say, racism or sexism, I don't view myself as a victim. I view myself as a hero for the people that I have an opportunity to treat with respect. Mm. And uh, and so that, every, that, that applies to everyone that comes to Scripture. We all are seen with a commission to do that. So the idea of weakness is anyone that's weaker than me, anyone that has less power than me, I need to defend uh, them. I need to, The fatherless talks about people that, you know, kids maybe that don't have parents to take care of them, mm. that there's a, a social responsibility to care for. Um, uh, care for for children that uh, that maybe maybe even they they may have parents but their parents are mistreating them. Mm. So defending their rights it says uphold the cause of the poor. So people that don't have enough to uh, to provision to provide for themselves in terms of eating and and sleeping and and having a you know access to water and services and so mm. forth. And it says and the oppressed. So mm. groups of people that are being targeted. Uh, for whatever reason, you know. And so this uh, injunction here, Matt, this is directed at me whether or not I'm a victim of oppression myself. So if someone, for example, is, um, you know, if, I, if I'm a victim of racism, I am still uh, under this injunction to defend people weaker than me, to def- defend others, to uphold the cause of the poor. Mm. Mm. And uh, it doubly applies to people maybe that might be, um, what shall I say, uh, perpetrators of this sort of behavior, that when they see this in the word, that they ought to stop doing what they're doing yeah Mm. absolutely Mm. and just thinking of that as well you mentioned um that many people think that christianity is a uh, a source of um racism or social injustice at times but um there are so many places throughout the bible that this type of message is is taught and we're going to read a number of those today but uh, it reminds me here it says the fatherless there's a a few verses that talk about the orphans and widows. Are we going to cover any of those today? Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. we can go into some of that sort of thing. Yeah. We will. Um, mm. But uh, can I just say that for some throughout history, Christianity has definitely been used as a justification for all sorts of injustices. Yes. We can look back at history, yeah. and that's absolutely been the case. And I'm not mm. saying it's not the case. What I'm saying is that when injustice and inequality has happened in the name of Christianity, it's happened as a contradiction. To, to, to the Bible. To what it's actually meant to do. To teach. To yeah, that's right. So yeah. it's been breaking that philosophy. It's been against the Bible yeah. that that's happened. Yeah. On the other hand, when a, um, when, a, when a communist government chooses to fight oppression, they're actually doing that in contradiction to their own philosophy as well. And when they oppress, the, when they oppress their populace, they're actually cooperating with their own philosophy. That's mm. the difference. Yeah. Mm. We've got a few more verses. Do you want to cover them before the break or after? Um, let's go to the break. And we'll no worries. Back, yeah. Okay. We're going to ask you a question, and uh, this question is a good one. We'd love to hear from you today in regards to this. If you could heal one injustice in this world, what would it be? We'd really love to know your thoughts on that. If you could heal one injustice, let us know what that would be. This is My King is Known by Love by the Clark Family. 
Some are known by great authority For kingdoms as far as eyes can see In royal robes they rule from thrones Waging wars they overthrow Victory, my king is known by mercy. My king is known by grace. For the hope in his name and the power that saves, my king is known by the cross. upon his brow What kind of king would leave his throne to make my sin and shame his own Yet he gave his life for me My king is known by mercy And my king is known by grace For the hope in his name And the power that saves My king is known by the cross
great song. Is it, if only we could all be known by love, hey? Amen. It'd be a great place to be around. So uh, we're talking with Daniel Matteo this morning on our Faith FM Tassie and Kalish program, and we're talking about the Bible as social justice. Before the break, we asked you a question. If you could heal just one injustice in this world, what would it be? We would love to hear from you this morning. Text us in on zero four double eight double eight zero. Eight nine one. We've got one person text in. We'll share that in a little while. So uh, yeah, Daniel, we've we were about to cover some other passages in Exodus and uh, Deuteronomy. Yeah, that's right. It arises from what we were what we were talking about before that the idea in Scripture was it pertains to social justice. Is that when I'm reading Scripture, I I I don't get the idea that it's society's fault uh, or a responsibility to to change the well there is some responsibility but i don't get the idea that it's someone else's job to no. change the injustices in this world and it's our job <laughs> i can i can rail against the government i can rail against you know foreign powers i can rail against my next door neighbor mm. and feel justified about myself but in scripture the the crosshairs point directly at my own heart yeah. and that's that's the point of it and it becomes about our own personal responsibility to do something about this for real for now. Mm. And so, would you like to read for me Exodus chapter 22, verse 21? There's a principle here that's important for this. It says, Do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner, for you were foreigners in Egypt. Now, this is really, really amazing. And mm. it sometimes we read things in Scripture today as 21st century readers, and we think, oh, yeah, well, that's, of course, that makes sense. Mm. But we don't realize the groundbreaking nature of them in their era when they were written. Mm. And it was normal in tribal society like they they racism was rife in those days yeah and it's actually an issue that um peter struggled with even at the beginning of the church that god had to had to um sort of teach adjust, him yeah teach he had him. to adjust his <laughs> attitude for yeah. sure um and but it wasn't so much based on color although sometimes that was that, there that was on people groups it was people yeah. groups of people mm. why because you're trying to survive and you're trying to get as many resources mm. as possible for your people mm. and then people keep coming in with swords trying to take your resources and you want to take theirs and so there's a deep mm. distrust for people from other places and from time to time someone from somewhere else came to live in your community and they were the subject of a, of oppression of marginalization of uh, you know mistreatment of in fact you know in the ancient world this is really interesting the Romans had a tax called the Tax Judaica. Now, that would not fly today. It was that Tax Judaica means a tax on being Jewish. Wow. And so they, <laughs> and so the Jews had a had a race based tax, uh, by, in, in, incurred on them by the Roman government. Yeah. It just that's that, that gives you an idea of what sort of things would fly back then that uh, wouldn't go today. Imagine you know? the uproar in Parliament if that if that was proposed today. Well, you know they might get away with a tax on Christians probably, yeah. <laughs> but, but not on anyone else. Yeah. Uh, but uh, look, the fact is this this principle here: do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner. Yeah. Because you were foreigners in Egypt. The idea is try and think about what you went mm. through when you were in that situation. Mm. And and it just comes back to that principle that Jesus said, you know, um, that uh, that the golden rule, you know, treat other people how you'd like to be treated. Of course, uh, the Israelites were welcomed to Egypt when Joseph was there. And then uh, <laughs> a few hundred years later, they ended up as slaves. Yeah, that's right. And they were being oppressed. And they were, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 16, there's a similar idea here. It says, let them live a among you wherever they like and in whatever 
town they choose. Do not oppress them. Mm, isn't that interesting? That if someone wants that from somewhere else wants to come and live as a part of your community, that you're not to restrict them from living certain places. And this is really amazing because we know that in the history of the United States, that there was even like certain areas that that people of different races weren't allowed to live. You mm. know that they had these lines mm. in their communities where you know people, for example, of African descent weren't allowed to even purchase a house or move into a home there. That these were designated as white neighbourhoods, these were designated as black neighbourhoods and so forth. And yet scripture says that um, that, uh, that when people come from somewhere else to live in your community, that you let them live wherever they want and they, you're not to oppress them. It's about mm. your own personal responsibility. Yeah. Mm, very, very cool. Yeah. Now, over in Galatians. <laughs> Well, I was in the break. You mentioned a, a, a little passage that came to your mind on this subject. Would yeah. you like to allude, allude to that now? Because yeah, I thought I, that was interesting. I love this. I love this um, passage in James. Um, actually, I'm not sure that I've got the right passage up here. It's in chapter oh, two. It's over here we go. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, James chapter two is actually a warning against prejudice. Is the title uh, that I've got here, and it talks about um, you know treating people. The same when they enter our churches, even, and mm. uh, this is important. This is in verse two. Suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, "You can stand over there, or else sit on the floor." Well, that doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? So mm. it really mm. calls us to treat everyone. The same, everyone mm. equally, because everyone has equal value. And there's a great temptation, I believe, um, to attach ourselves to people with power, with money, yeah. uh, with status in society. And this really leads to those that don't have these things being marginalized and not having the same opportunities as, mm. as others. And it, it sort of perpetuates the cycle. Mm. Whereas we look, when we look through the outer and we look at the heart. Mm. You know, that's what we, what God seeks to do. In fact, in, uh, when, uh, when God was uh, choosing David to be uh, the next king, he said to Samuel, don't look at the outer appearance because the Lord doesn't look at that. Mm. He looks at the heart. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. And so that is the basis of, uh, of Paul's injunction to us in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. Would you like to read that for us, please? It says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Mm, isn't that interesting? Jesus died for every single human being in this mm, world. Absolutely. When, when God looks at every single human being in this world, he assigns them all the same value. Mm. And that value is the life of his son. Mm. Inestimable, eternal, infinite value. Mm. And uh, and Jesus would have done that for even for any one of us, mm. yeah. If, if as if we were the only sinner ever, ever born. So the, these divisions that uh, that we put between us as a basis they're, of power, society, man status, made, not God made. Yeah, that's right. I mean, mm. um, Paul says there's no male and female. Obviously, that's an objective thing, uh, but not, uh, not in terms of value. value. To God. There you yeah. go. There you go. Mm. V- uh, value. You know, it's not that these things don't exist. It's it's not that uh, that differences in culture or differences in melanin levels in the skin aren't aren't real. They are, but uh, but not in terms of value, and definitely not in terms of the way that we're instructed to treat one another. In fact, <clears throat> when Peter was uh, w- was speaking of this once, he said that God had made of all nations. Of all nations mm. to dwell on the earth, he made them all of one blood. Mm. He made them all of one blood. And uh, I love that. We all bleed the same. 
is, a, is the way that a, that a sort of pop song goes, that we've got the same color inside of us. And, uh, and we're, we're all descended from Adam and Eve as far as the scriptural history is concerned. We're all part of one big human family. In fact, the idea of, of, of race, at least in scripture, is, is a little bit of a... It's a little bit imaginary because we all eventually go back to the same people group. So as a result, in Scripture, there is only one race, the human race. Mm. And there's only two divisions within that, those that have chosen to follow God and those that haven't. Mm. You know, And so there is, that's, the, that's the key issue there. And so as, that, as we relate to one another, we would ought to see people that are created in the image of God. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. So, there, so there's a responsibility here for us to do something about this. What do we do when somebody has a different um, level of power, a different level of wealth, a different level, level of status to what we have um, in our society? Well, Jesus actually gives us some advice on that as well. Would you like to read Matthew 19, 21 for me? Yeah, and I think uh, this was, um, he was talking to a rich man, wasn't he? Was, he was, a rich young case. ruler, yeah. Uh, who'd come to Jesus and asked him what uh, he must do to be saved. And Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Mm. Now, I don't believe that um, God asks everybody to sell all of their possessions and give everything to the poor. Uh, But he does ask us all to give up our gods. Mm. And he does ask all of us to be altruistic in principle. <clears throat> I think the very minimum standard uh, for a Christian ought to be um, ought to be supporting their faith community. But beyond that, uh, a believer also ought to be doing things like contributing to charity and uh, providing for the for the poor in whatever mm. whatever way that they've been called to do. And that's a matter of personal uh, personal conscience. Mm. But the Bible gives a interesting numbers in the Old Testament for us to go by. They they had their tithe, which was the first ten percent that which they used to subvert, uh, support the the temple system. But then beyond that, there was a second tithe, another ten percent of their income that was used to support the poor. And uh, and I, I don't know, it might be a, it's not a. I don't think that that is a, a command that, that people have a, to follow. not a hard and fast rule. And at least not in the New Testament, but it, but it ought to be a principle of generosity that mm. Christians follow as it pertains to giving to charities and giving to the poor and so forth. Yeah. Mm. In fact, in Luke 19, 8, um, Jesus says something nice to, to Zacchaeus, who makes a decision to do this. He yeah. says, uh, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. So this is a Zacchaeus was a tax collector that had been using his power to oppress his own people and get rich. Yeah, that's well, that's what he did. Well, because the Romans just wanted him to collect their taxes, and he mm. didn't. They didn't care how much he latched onto the end. He took a bit and extra. So he did a lot extra, it seems. Mm. And so when he hears Jesus teaching, he decides that he's going to first of all half sell half of all he has and give it to the poor, and also pay back four times over anything that, uh, you know, if he's cheated anybody. Mm. And Jesus actually goes on to, to say, salvation has come to this house today. You know, that on the basis of this guy changing from caring only about himself to caring about others, um, the Holy Spirit has come and done a work in this guy's heart. And mm. uh, Jesus celebrates that. So there's a principle of altruism here. We ought to be givers. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's time for another break, but uh, we will share. Uh, Margie says this morning that... 
for her, it would have to be the lack of love for one another. That's what she'd love to solve in terms of social justice in the world. She'd like to see more love for one another. Well, I think uh, we could all say amen to that. Amen. Uh, thanks, Margie. But uh, the question that we've asked you, there's still time to text in. If you could heal just one injustice in this world, what would it be? We'd love to hear from you this morning. This uh, next song is called Call Me Your Own and it's by Isla Vista Worship and John Jing Han. program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. I forgot about that promo there. <laughs> You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're speaking with Daniel Matteo on the topic of the Bible as social justice. We are. Now, um, I'm sure there's many, many more verses. It must be hard when you're preparing this, Daniel, to choose which ones to actually, uh, you know, mention in a program like this because there's so many verses. But where are we going to next? 
Well, we're we're wandering through the Red Sea of, of, of passages on this subject, absolutely, you know, mm. and uh, we're going to make a path through it. Well, I said before that uh, as it pertains to social justice in Scripture, it's all about personal responsibility. And it, it is true that um, in Scripture there is no guarantee or no promise that a believer will always live in a perfectly just society. Mm. There is uh, The assumption is actually that we never will. Uh, be in a perfectly just society and so we we just have to worry about what we do and personal responsibility in that society having said that does that mean that we should never worry about the law or try and push for change um, or try and uh, make things more just for others? I think we should where we can. Well, absolutely. But, and in but a, we should see what the Bible says. <laughs> in, a, in a democratic society, we've, we've, got the, we've got pen and we've got vote, yes. you know, and so yeah. that we can use our power in that way. But uh, just uh, can you read for me Amos chapter 5, verse 12? Is that okay? It says, For I know how many, offen- Sorry, for I know how many are your offenses and how great your sins there are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Wow, that sounds like um, corruption in government. There it? you go. Yeah, there's some real problems there that, that God is, is condemning through the prophet Amos about what his people, particularly the judges and the uh, the political leaders in their society, have done. And, and the offences include oppressing the poor, include not giving them judgment, accepting bribes, all of that stuff. And, mm. and Amos is is not just confronting it, he's condemning it. Mm. And I believe that that ought to be uh, part of the role of a believer to call out corruption when they see it and, mm. and to fight for what's right and righteousness. And would you like to read read from me, please, John chapter, chapter 7, verse 24. This is Jesus now. It says, Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Yeah, and I love what it says in the New King James. It says, Judge with righteous judgment. Mm. Judge with righteous judgment. And yet people say, You can't judge. <laughs> you shouldn't judge. Well, I think it's important. Jesus makes it very clear that we oughtn't judge people. Mm. He says, judge not that you be not judged. That's mm. the principle of Scripture. We oughtn't, we oughtn't judge people's character, but I think it is um, uh, incumbent upon us to judge actions and to judge principles. Mm. You know, I'd, I'm, if I see somebody do something wrong, I'm not going to judge them personally necessarily and think that they're a horrible person because I don't, I've never walked in their shoes and I don't know what they've been through. I don't know what brought them to this point. But I am going to judge what they're doing and saying, hey, that's not right. Yeah. So that, <laughs> That's the wrong thing to do. And in myself, I'm going to make a decision that I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's where we need to make, uh, I guess, there's discernment, isn't it, uh, in terms of discerning right from wrong yes. and calling out wrong when it's necessary. But um, I think sometimes we mix up the concept of judgment with condemnation. There you go. So we should not condemn. Even Christ came. And if anyone could condemn, it would be Christ. Mm. But he said that he did not come to condemn. Mm. Didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it, John 3. We should not also condemn people. Yeah, and and that is a difficult thing. because, And when I look at society today, particularly as it pertains to social justice movements, um, there is a desire to find a demon in mm. society, mm. like whether it be the rich or the powerful or, you know, white people or wh- whoever it is, someone is the bad guy, the mm. patriarchy, right? Someone mm. is, the, is the demon, the evil one, and I'm going to judge them as being guilty. And, 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 and condemn them. And condemn them. You yeah. got it. Now, the, the problem with that is that you, there's a whole bunch of people in that category that are coming from a whole bunch of different perspectives that we have no idea about often. Mm. And, when, and when we condemn a whole group of, a whole section of society based on some perceived injustice that they're doing, whether knowingly or unknowingly, then we fall into the same category. We fall into the same trap 
as you know somebody that's oppressing someone for their race mm. we we fall into the same into the same injustice we're doing the same injustice but when we look through the outer and we see the heart we can make a decision okay i don't judge i may judge their actions as being wrong but you know i want to understand them and mm. understand where they're coming from and that's mm. how reconciliation happens that's how love happens yeah. that's how um relationship uh, causes these things to be healed otherwise it's just tit for tat generation after generation yeah i'm i'm, I'm hesitant to mention this but um the the phrase council culture comes to mind when we're talking about that sort of thing we it seem does. to live in a culture now that the moment somebody um does something wrong or does something wrong according to me mm. then we've got to cancel that person we've got to wipe them off the face of the earth well, well once again it comes down to what we talked about last week when we talked about the bible as morality i become the the moral reference point mm. you mm. know it's up, it's up to me to determine the mm. standard of right and wrong and and you know, base, uh, base whether or not people have the right to speak on that, which actually gets it on, gets us onto the next point in our ideas about um, social justice in Scripture, and that is that there's a concept of freedom of speech and religion that we ought to fight for here. Would you like to read from me, me please, John chapter twelve, verse forty-seven? Uh, John twelve forty-seven. Mm-hmm. Let me just see if I can. Yep, no, I haven't got that one. No, it's okay. Well, um, how about uh, John eight thirty-six? Can we pull that up? Yep, it says, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Absolutely. So I'll look up the other one while you talk. Yeah, okay, that'll be fine. John chapter 12, verse uh, 47. Thank you kindly. And so in John 8, 36, Jesus gives this idea, this concept of freedom, you know, that uh, that because we're children of God, that we're entitled to uh, actual freedom. And, And I'm someone, I'm what's called a Wesleyan Arminian. So there's some brands of Christians that, you know, that this sort of brand of theology is called Calvinism that believes that really free will is, is sort of a... Um it's a misnomer. Uh, yeah, it's a, it doesn't really exist in yeah. the sense that sense that uh, you know God has predetermined who's going to follow Him and who's not, and who's saved and who's lost. But uh, for me, I, I believe very strongly in in free will that God has actually placed these decisions in our hands, and and these things ought to be ought to be protected. That people ought to have the right to to be free. Uh, in the way that we understand it. So would you like to read for me as well, John twelve forty seven? Is that okay? Yeah, it says, uh, If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. That was that verse you were referring to. Mm-hmm. That um, No, well, he says something similar in John 3 as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, well... Look at this. If, if anyone hears my words and doesn't keep them, I don't judge that person. So mm. at least, you know, we know there's going to be a final judgment. But at least in this life, Jesus gives people the right and the option to follow him or not. Mm. He gives them the freedom. And this is a this is a principle in Scripture that, that oh, well, there's a bit of a balance. First of all, Christians are, um, are enjoined to share their faith and to share the gospel and to explain it to people, and mm. then it's up to them what they do with it. Mm. It's their decision to follow or not. So Christianity yeah. should not be, mm. uh, although in some places, in some times it has been, Yes, uh, but it should not be a religion of force. Absolutely, we, we coercion. We should not be forcing our opinions or beliefs or ideas on other people. Well, do we really want people in heaven that don't want to be there? Let's mm. be honest, you know, if they don't want to be there, that's fine, you know, but, uh, but you know, we, we, don't, we don't want to force people to go. And But this, this concept of freedom of speech and religion is actually part of biblical social justice, that people have the right to believe as they want to believe. If they want to be a different religion, if they want to have no religion, 
religion, whatever, these things ought to be supported uh, by Christians, uh, give people the rights to, to make the choice for themselves. And uh, this arises actually from the last scripture we're going to look at today, uh, in this section anyway, uh, which is John 13, verse 34 to 35. This this fits in with uh, Margie's point earlier. This is exactly Margie's point from earlier, absolutely. It says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Absolutely. And I'm, this I'm, is the hallmark of, of a believer in Christ. I'm interested in this because it's it's almost like um, the concept of loving one another didn't exist before this. But, of course, it did. Um, but, but Jesus makes a special point of it. Well, in another place, uh, John, when he repeats it, when he's writing to his churches, he says, it's really the old command that you heard. But um, he says, a new command I give you, which is really just the old command, yeah, that's right. uh, which is love one another. You know, sometimes it's new, not because that it's, it's, new, it's a new idea. Sometimes it's new because we've forgotten a bit about it, you know, mm. and that really that was the situation. Yeah. And so when we have unconditional love, when we have unconditional empathy, from love arises empathy. And when we try and understand where people are coming from, it's very difficult for us to oppress them. Mm, Absolutely. Our offer today, it's not a full book, it's a tract. It's called God's Love for Man. And it's excerpts from the book uh, by Ellen White called Steps to Christ. Uh, It's uh, it's got many uh, heartwarming chapters. Um, Sorry, the book itself did. And these are some of the key points, I guess, of truth from that book. So God's Love for Man, we'll give you the code after the break for this offer. This is Love is a Good Thing by Andrew Peterson. You knocked me down and dragged me out and left me there for dead. You took all the freedom I wanted and gave me something else instead. Blew my mind, it bled me dry and hit me like a long goodbye. Nobody here knows better than I that it's a good thing. Love is a good thing It'll fall like rain on your parade Laugh at the plans that you tried to make Wear you down till your heart just breaks And it's a good thing Love is a good thing It'll wake you up in the middle of the night It'll take just a little too much It'll burn you like a cinder Till you're tender to the touch It'll chase you down and swallow you whole It'll make your blood run hot and cold Like a thief in the night It'll steal your soul And that's a good thing Love is a good thing It'll follow you down to the ruins of the great divide Open the wounds that you tried to hide there in the rubble of the heart that died You'll find a good thing Cause love is a good thing Oh, love is a good thing Ooh, take cover
chains of the ties that bind And if you're lucky, you'll never make it out alive And that's a good thing Love is a good thing It can hurt like a blast from a hand grenade When all that used to matter is blown away There in the middle of the mess it made You'll find a good thing Yes, it's worth every penny of the price you pay It's a good thing Love is a good thing Love is a good thing Oh, love is a good thing Do not fear You're listening to Tessie Encounters on Faith FM. And before the break, we talked about our giveaway today. It's a tract based on the book... Uh, Steps to Christ and it's titled God's Love for Man if you want to text in draw 21 no spaces draw 21 text that into zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. it's a great uh, summary that you can use to uh, really improve your uh, relationship with God as well now we've got one more I guess biblical story before we wrap up today Daniel. Absolutely. Um, well, we're not, we're not going to read it all. We'll just read a few verses out of it because uh, we, you know, we're going to we push for time a little bit, a little bit. But my favorite, my favorite story of Jesus' life uh, is in John chapter eight, and interestingly, it's a story of Jesus and his response to an issue of social justice. Mm. And, uh, and what he did in that situation was... Or, or an issue of social injustice. Well, social injustice, <laughs> yeah, you got it. His, his, his socially just response. Yeah. And what was very interesting is the way that he handled it. It was um, just beyond, I guess it was beyond profound. Mm. Uh, and by following his example, great men like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and even uh, Mahatma Gandhi, you know, sort of by, by studying the life of Jesus, both of them... Uh, Instituted methods of protest against injustice that, you know, that that literally changed the world. But uh, what we find out in this story, and by the way, the the passage itself has a history of um, of relevance to, uh, to 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 injustice as well. Because actually, there's a bit of a controversy in John chapter eight. It's a story of the 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 woman caught in adultery. There's actually a controversy as to whether or not this should even be included in scripture. And the reason is that there's some ancient copies of, the, of John that don't contain this story. Mm. And Augustine, actually, who was an early church father, alludes to this controversy because he, what he said was a lot of Christian men didn't like this story in mm. his time mm. because... It made them uncomfortable. <laughs> it made them imagine. uncomfortable. They, he thought it was going to embolden them to commit adultery. And so as a result, they weren't including it in their copies of the, of the book of John. And so as a result, some of our ancient copies don't contain the story. And, and so archaeologists, or, or biblical scholars are sort of trying to figure out, you know, was it a... Uh, we think it's a it's a genuine story, but yeah, it's absolutely. it's not necessarily anciently attested, and as a result, some people want to leave it out of the scripture. But uh, but it definitely um, teaches us something about Jesus, right? It teaches us something about him. So basically, there is this law uh, in in place that if somebody is found to be committing adultery, they should be executed, right? And so the religious leaders want to try and trap Jesus between the Romans and uh, and the Jews, and so they. I don't know, they, they conspire. Maybe one of them is cheating on his wife, you know, and they conspire to catch this woman in the act. They drag her out in the street, you know, barely clothed. They throw her down at Jesus' feet. 
by the way, they didn't they didn't grab him, only her. So mm. that gives you an idea of, really of interesting. how they're applying the laws. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, they threw him down his feet and said, what should we do with this woman? The law says she's to be stoned. You know, what do you, what do you say? And he didn't even say anything. He just looked straight down. He didn't... Um, he didn't give them the, uh, the, the, the dignity of a response. And he didn't humiliate her by looking at her uh, in her undressed state. He kept his eyes straight down until she had enough time to cover up and he began to write. And a lot of people wonder what it was that he was writing on the, in the dust on the, dirt, on the ground. And uh, a lot of people have said that what he's probably writing on the ground here is actually all of their sins, all the way, all of their secret things that they were up to. And one by one, they get scared and, and retreat. And when he finally uh, has given her enough time to cover herself, he raises his eyes and says, Woman, uh, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And in verse 11 of John 8, she says, No one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and sin no more. What he didn't say is everything that you did was fine. No. But he said, I don't condemn you. Mm. And uh, and I'm giving you the power and the freedom to start a new life from this mm. point forward. You know, that really, he's looking into the situation with a lot of compassion and a lot of love. And I think that um, understanding where people are coming from, I don't think it's a good idea to throw away some of these standards the way that we want to sometimes, but to understand where people are coming from is going to help us to be able to respond with compassion. I uh, I was really heartbroken once when, in my first couple of years in ministry. I was driving along one day and I saw that there was a lady uh, in the in the gutter on the side of the road, uh, sort of stumbling. It looked like she was just sort of reg- regaining consciousness. She had some wounds around her around her head. Um, First Nations lady, and uh, and she was, unclo- you know, sort of half unclothed, and I uh, pulled up on the side of the road to see if she was okay. She wasn't. She'd been a victim of a, of an attack, and uh, you know, we sort of helped her to, uh, to to cover up, and we called the ambulance and so forth. And uh, as we were talking to one another, you know, she told me that she actually had, when she was a little girl, had attended. Uh, one of the churches I was pastoring at the time, but just for whatever reason, life and circumstances had dragged her away from that and she'd ended up in this situation. And and uh, particularly the person that had hurt her was her partner. And uh, and this was a cycle that went on and on. And I was just so sad to hear her story. I was so heartbroken as the ambulance came and sort of took her away. I, that was the last time. I don't, I don't know what happened to her. I don't know what the end of the story is. It's just very sad indeed. And I, I did, all, I, all I could do was pray. As, as the ambulance was driving away, I was just praying, Lord, please just help that woman, you mm. know, to, to be able to find the freedom that you long for her to have. The, you know, the, I, I imagine that her childhood would have, there would have been all sorts of injustice in place there, all sorts of racism, all sorts of oppression that might have led to um, uh, her being in a relationship where she would be harmed in the way that she was. And I just pray that uh, maybe if she's out there, maybe even listening, that she might learn to value herself as somebody of dignity and someone of worth and uh, and somebody that can begin to uh, to break the cycle of what, what's going on in her life. And uh, I, I believe that for all of us out there, you know, God has got... Uh, something that he wants us to do as it pertains to faith. It's not enough to just say that we're a person of faith. In James chapter 1, verse 27, it says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. 
And when we understand where people are coming from, we're going to have a desire within ourselves arising from the love of God to want to try and heal the injustices that we see around us. We ought to be longing for that. And, uh, and if we don't, if we're totally comfortable with the status quo, when we see someone hurting, when we see someone poor, when we see someone broken, and we just think, okay, well, that's, okay, that's fine. They can just stay that way. I don't have to do anything about that. Then we ought to identify that there's something broken in us mm. that the Holy Spirit needs to touch. Yeah. I remember a, a little story. We've got a minute or so left. Um, I met a man who was asking for money, and uh, it was a difficult situation. I was I was busy walking from one location to another, and uh, I had people that I had to meet, but he was asking for money. And he was right in town, in, in uh, Hobart, in Salamanca area, and he was asking for money for um, something, I'm not sure, uh, food, I think. And I was really quite genuinely concerned about him. And there wasn't it wasn't far away. Uh, there was a little grocery store, and I said, "Look, can I go and buy you some groceries here?" And uh, um, unfortunately, it turned out that he really wasn't after the food. <laughs> he was after money to um, who knows what he was going to do with it. But but I spent some time with him. I went and moved my car, and I came back, and I I talked to him more and tried to understand his situation. Um, and it seems as though his situation was that he was yeah, either wanting money for alcohol or drugs or something like that. I really wanted to help him. I wanted to get him some food because that's what he asked for initially. Um, but he actually didn't want me to go and buy him food, which was surprising. Mm-hmm. But it's sad when people get stuck in those situations and it's really important that we try to help them in whatever way we can to see that they have value and that they uh, can be lifted up out of that situation yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and look uh, sometimes sometimes he- helping with money isn't the best way mm. and you know we have to pray for wisdom as to the best way to approach that it's not mm. what's best for them sometimes what's best is time mm. and you know i did mm. yeah i tried my best in that case to to help him but um mm. it wasn't the way he wanted help so yeah um now just uh tell me one thing that you've enjoyed about doing this series uh I guess this is the longest series of programs you've done for Faith FM, this Drawing from the Well. I know you've done some others before now, but tell me one one thing that you've enjoyed uh, about doing this series. Well, you know, what, what's been really wonderful about doing this series, uh, sort of finding out about all these different... Like, because every, every week I've had to kind of pray and go, well, what's another aspect of my life that I, I draw inspiration from Scripture on? And it's this, as a pastor, we study the Bible with people all the time on points of theology, you know, doctrine, right? Mm. But I really, I, I just re- I've realized how much the Bible influences the, the flavor, the just the very rhythm of my life in so many different ways. And mm. Matt, I'd encourage our listeners to, to take joy in, in Scripture and to, as you read it each day and as you learn to apply its principles, it's going to impact just about everything you do, say, think. Yeah, it's mm. wonderful. Absolutely. The Bible is full of such good wisdom and uh, guidance for us in our daily life. And so this series, Drawing from the Well, I think has been a great one to, I guess, get an overview of, uh, you know, some of the concepts and ideas that we can learn from the Bible. Now, we're going to be doing a new series called, um, what are we going to call it? Facets of Faith. Facets of Faith, yes. That's it. Mm. And so uh, we're going to dig, I guess, a little bit deeper into some of these um, principles and ideas that we can learn from uh, from the Bible. Mm-hmm. So do join us next week for the start of that. And tomorrow we've got uh, David Maxwell on his series, Reflecting Jesus. 
Are you uh, speaking anywhere this weekend, Daniel? I'm not. Yeah, no, no. I've got a... You've got a, a weekend fr- off. A friend of, Well, no. <laughs> uh, I'm running a youth event in Launceston. Okay. And uh, a friend of mine, uh, uh, Pastor Nick Cross, is going to be uh, it's going to be a visiting speaker for that. So, no worries. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Draw 21 is the code for today. Text that in to 0488880891. This is Open My Eyes. Have a great day. Open my eyes, Lord Help me to see your face Open my eyes, Lord Help me to see Open my ears, Lord This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.